Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. I wanted to share with you about a book that I just love. I remember I bought it a few years back. In fact, this book speaks to my heart. It's titled, Answers Will Come, Trusting the Lord in the Meantime by Shalissa Lindsay. This book is authored by someone that is good at putting feelings into words. I remembered a couple passages from this book, in fact, when I wrote out three particular verses in Enos. The verses I'll talk about today will be verses four, five, and six. Verse four reads, I kneeled down before my maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for my own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when the night came, I did still raise my voice high that it reached the heavens. I'm going to focus today here on the phrase praying all the day long, and when the night came, I, I did still raise my voice. I'll confess right now, the longest prayer on my knees to date is probably about 15 minutes. That 15 minutes, I remember, felt like a very long time. When Enos describes his prayer lasting all the day long until it was nighttime, I stopped and asked myself, did he pray without stopping all those hours? I don't know the answer, and I'm sure it doesn't matter to know the answer, but what I do know is it's been my experience, I'm not usually instantly given answers to my prayers while on my knees the first time around, or the second, or even the third. Oftentimes those prayers, in fact, are met with silence. I'm imagining that's how it might have been for Enos too. I can relate. I've been taught and found comfort when I understand that silence doesn't mean prayers aren't being heard. For me, it just means I'll be getting my answer later than anticipated. I've also learned because my prayers are not always answered quickly, finding my answers to my prayers can be a process for me. I try to implement Elder Bednar's suggestion to keep a prayer in our heart for continued and assistance and guidance during the course of the day. Part of the process does include keeping a prayer in my heart, looking for assistance and guidance through the day, so what could one of those processes look like, you might ask? It could look like this. I'll approach the Lord in prayer, expressing my desires and needs, and then listen for answers. If nothing comes during that time, I get up and get on with my day. I keep that desire to receive answers on my mind, let's say as I drive home from dropping my son off at seminary. Or maybe I think about possible solutions to my prayers as I'm on a bike ride, doing laundry, putting gas in my car, or unloading the dishwasher. What I've learned for myself is the Lord doesn't expect me to put all the responsibilities I have on hold 
while I wait on my knees for answers. I've come to the conclusion the Lord knows us and our situation perfectly. He'll answer our prayers the way He sees fit, a perfect way that will benefit us most. We are on His timetable, not ours. In the book, Answers Will Come, Lindsay sums up this idea well when she says, quote, Much to my chagrin, my prayer, fasting, and temple trips are often met with silence. I've learned I really have little control over when and how heaven answers my prayers. When I thought about Enos leaving early to hunt and instead found himself praying all the day long until it was nighttime, I thought about two things. First, that's a long time to be praying. And second, there must not have been much else on his to-do list that day. But seriously, mostly I wondered how he spent those hours. I can't imagine he's on his knees all day long until it was nighttime. Maybe I'm way off here, but when I read the words like wrestle and phrases like many long strugglings, I get a picture that this isn't an easy experience for Enos. Maybe he's going through the, a process of his own. Hmm. Maybe the hours of his day were spent something like this. Enos prays. Silence. He gets up off his knees, he thinks, walks around, struggles, frets and worries, gets back on his knees and prays. Silence. Wrestles with thoughts like, maybe this wasn't a good idea, or I'm getting very, I'm not getting my answers very quickly. Maybe I'm not worthy of an answer. But he goes ahead and fights off those thoughts. He gets up, he continues to think. He's trying to work it all out in his mind. I can see him. Time continues to go by. He realizes it's later now and he notices he's getting kind of hungry. So he gets something to eat. And while he eats and cleans up, he thinks. He prays. More silence. This process continues hour after hour until it gets dark. Can you imagine? This has been a long day and still no answers. All Enos' prayers have been met by what? Silence. So what does he do? Does he throw his hands up and tell himself it's a lost cause because he's been praying all day long and now it's getting dark so he might as well pack up and head home? Nope. Although it's frustrating and difficult not to get answers when he would like, he's been taught as well silence isn't a sign for being shunned by a loving God. Therefore, he makes a fire and stays. After a long day of exhausting struggle, prayer, and deafening silence, we read, And there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. And I, Enos, knew that God could not lie. Wherefore, my guilt was swept away. Did you know there are people out there that doubt a godlike power that is able to completely change a person? For example, they might say, solely giving the credit to the person that's received therapy, changed their environment, or just plain had a great deal of personal will. However, as I thought about Enos's long struggle, I thought about all he'd been through how much time had gone by and how different he must have felt when he finally received an answer. I remembered something I read in Shalissa's book. It turned the light on in my head. Lindsay writes, 
I simply cannot conjure up that amazing peace whenever I want it, because I have repeatedly met silence when eventual answer comes, I feel it's clearly different. After enduring hours of wrestling and struggling with silence, Ina says, he heard a voice saying, thy sins are forgiven thee. Therefore, my guilt was swept away. Enos felt different. If this change wasn't from a godlike power, why didn't Enos change sooner? Why not skip the struggle, the difficulties, and the long day and go straight to the feeling of guiltlessness? Because this change in Enos's was from a godly power, Lindsay reiterates this when she writes, We recognize those special messages from the Lord precisely because they're rare and unusual and come at unexpected intervals. Then, after that, she gives a beautiful example from the scriptures. Quote, The woman who touched Jesus' robe recognized her healing because she had tried everything she could for 12 years without success. In a similar manner, Enos was so struck by the contrast he felt after his guilt was swept away, he asked, Lord, how is it done? There's so much great doctrine in this chapter. We could talk and talk for days about what's there. But just for now, here are two brief slices of life I discovered I'm thankful Enos decided to share. The first is, after reading and writing out the experience he had in the forest, it's good to feel validated that sometimes finding answers to prayers can be a process. It can be a struggle. It's not easy, and answers don't always come quickly. And it's important not to give up. Also, like Enos, I have to remember silence isn't a sign for being shunned by a loving Heavenly Father. Russell M. Nelson, in an article titled Jesus Christ, the Master Healer, stated, I recognize that on occasion, some of our most fervent prayers may seem to go unanswered. We wonder, why? I know the feeling. I know the fears and tears of such moments. But I also know that our prayers are never ignored. Faith is never unappreciated. I know that an all-wise Heavenly Father's perspective is much broader than ours. While we know of our mortal problems and pain, He knows of our immortal progress and potential. If we pray to know His will and submit ourselves to it with patience and courage, heavenly healing can take place in His own way and time. Both the scriptures and a living prophet teach prayers are heard, our faith is appreciated, and we have a loving Heavenly Father that knows our potential. He's with us. Despite our mortal problems and pain, we choose patience and courage through Him, we can be healed. Lastly, we may enlist therapists or change our environment and practice great personal willpower, but ultimately, being healed and changed is a gift from God. It's never something I can just do on my own. During times of struggle, when answers are not coming as fast as I'd like, when all I seem to get is silence, I need to remember to do what Enos did. I need to make a fire and stay. It's not important to discover it first. It's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. 
If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.